friends and let your friends and family and all, all the different people you know, those that you like and those that you don't like, let them know that Apostle Barry Cook is here. Hmm. And I intend to have so much fun. I just really love being with my friend. Um, and I heard so many people talk about the things. And when I was in New York uh, last week, what happened is I had people come up and tell me just how much they enjoy the, the apostle that I have on that does all of this history that knows so much. And it's just like um, uh, there's the opening up uh, avenues for them and letting them realize how important history is. So the person that I'm talking about is the one and only uh, Barry Cook, Apostle Barry Cook, my friend. <laughs> You're very kind, Dr. Baker. I appreciate it. And it's always an honor to be with you. And I, I look forward to it. I'm glad we can talk and speak freely on this show. And uh, I'm glad about that. And we have great subjects. And, um, you know, I love that you're talking about studying stuff. I do. I love to study things and look things up and and see for myself. You know, I learned it all early on when I would have pastors that would tell me things that were contrary to the scriptures. And I go home and study them out. And I'd be like, okay, well, let me go back and ask him now that I got a notebook full. Uh, you know, and so then I had to learn how to communicate right because <laughs> I, I just like, well, then you're wrong, you know. <laughs> that is craziness. But <clears throat> listen, I'm excited to be here and talking about this today. Now, we're going to get into some elements where we left off before in training and building leaders in this new generation for to in this new year and getting a mindset of of leadership, regardless of where we stand in life and having vision, you know, that we can carry out and walk out. And, you know, most of the vision texts in the Bible are used constantly, but I'm going to go back to one here in the very beginning, if it's okay to Habakkuk 2, and just talk just for a minute through that, because I think it gives us a good view of some things that we probably just get to today uh, on this one, and then maybe on the next one, we can get to some further things that I, I have in mind. But um, um, because I do want to talk, I have some things in my spirit I want to get to about um, things that God's been dealing with me about, about things that we have to implement in order to to be able to con get our ministries back on track in a growth mindset that's spirit led. But that's that's a whole other thing because it's not just saying things. You have to have principles and practices for it. So anyway, Habakkuk 2, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart, on the high place of the tower, and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am reproved, <laughs> corrected, shown the way. And his assumption is that when God shows him and speaks to him, whatever he's thinking is going to be inferior to it. <laughs> you know, that's funny. Today, people don't really like to take the time to hear the mind of God. They come up with what the mind of God is, or they say they got the mind of God without knowing the mind of God. And it's not the same effect, you know, and, and because God's mind is always going to be slightly different than ours, even the most spiritual in the world, because he's God. <laughs> then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Um, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. At the end, it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, and it will not tarry. That means wait, delay. Behold the proud. He's like, now look, though. There are going to be prideful folks out there. They ain't going to go for this. 
You know, don't change a church. Don't quit doing it in a church just because they don't like it. Don't adjust it and say, oh, we're so sorry you don't like that. Well, we won't do that anymore. Oh, we'll just save that for Wendy's, Wednesdays in the back room beforehand. And we will. No, I mean, you know, it's so dumb. I mean, he's like the proud. Look, the proud ain't going to like what I'm saying. This is what I want done. And it's why won't he do it? Because his soul ain't right. It ain't just yet. He's not looking for justice in life. He's still got bitternesses and biases and racial, you know, perspectives and lenses that, I mean, we all got to have, we've seen through that stuff, but we got to have enough sense where we go, oh, that was my racism popping up. Look at that. Most folks wouldn't even be honest. That's why he said, you know, see where you're reproved on things. At the end, it will speak. It will not lie. Uh, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Anytime we come to God, we'll go through some reproving. That's the bottom line. This is how he speaks to us. And when he conveys his will and his words, and I firmly believe that one of the marks of apostolic preaching in the New Testament was it brought conviction to people. <laughs> and well, I don't see a lot of conviction happening after messages these days. And I'm not talking about, they didn't have to, they didn't stand up very seldom. They spent a whole message preaching on sin or you're going to hell over. They didn't, they didn't do that but they carried conviction in their spirit. Their spirit carried the conviction of heaven, not just the words of heaven, but the conviction of heaven. They released something. Anyway, I got to keep going. But he said, and see what, what I will answer. In the Hebrew means what I will change or turn from when I'm reproved. He said, I got to see what I'm going to answer after I see what God shows me the real deal. That's what I say when you need to get a vision. What do you see? I see a helicopter. Write that down. Oh, Jesus. I'm out. Where's the Starbucks? I want a cup of coffee. Oh, geez. You know, oh, Lord God. Here we go. You know, anyway, we got to make sure that we're so solidified that we're fulfilling in general already what God has laid on our hearts, you know, uh, so that we can continue to model correct and accurate behavior. And that's why it matters, not just what we hear, but what, how we process inside of us what we hear. We very seldom ask, how does this affect me? How is it going to, how is it, well, I'm going to preach this word, but I can't, I'm going to tell somebody this, or I'm going to, I mean, what's, where is that coming from? Why don't we stop to think about ourselves? You know, what's the scripture say? If we examine our, we judge ourselves, we won't have other folks going, what were you thinking? You know? I just saying what's on my mind. Uh-huh. And that's the problem. You know, I don't need a filter. I mean, the Lord delivered me from filters. No, no, he delivered you from dirty filters, but you don't have one at all now. You need a clean one. It's sanctified. <laughs> like Moses, you need a white filter. <laughs> he says, write the vision and make it clean. <laughs> And, and honestly, that's communication, making it plain. We got folks who stand up and make th say things. They don't have scripture for it. They come, oh, I saw an angel. Well, I burped last night, and this came idea came out, you know, in smoke coming <laughs> air. Uh -huh, I bet that's what that was. And, you know, whatever. It, I mean, you know, we got all these ways, but it's not necessarily being communicated properly. The number one reason there's mistakes is lack of communication. And just because we say something once does not mean it was taken in. Just because we say, I mean, how many times I'm talking to people and by halfway through they say, ask something, but don't have nothing to do with what I'm talking about. And I'm thinking, what the heck? What the heck? 
I mean, which is critical because the Bible talks, you know, all the time about like I was looking up all the different words in the text and, you know, the word hear even. I mean, you know how you hear and it means the 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 patience and the focus in which you listen and the memory in which you pull out of it. You know, we got folk who come to the back of church after we preach and just say, you know, was was the thing you enjoyed most on the message? Uh, it was good. And I, I know. What did you like about it? What touched you? Um, I, I just know it was good. Thank you. I like, Lord God, I'm failing. I don't know what's going on here. I mean, I said it after every every paragraph. I said the phrase, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I even hooped a little and reset it at the end. Of you. I'm like, I don't know what happened. Maybe that was hot today. I don't know. But anyway, the person who has a vision has a job of making sure that everyone around him and downline understands what the heartbeat of that vision is. It can't just be held in our hearts. We've got to be able to break down the communication of what a vision is to be able to project it to people. And it makes sense. You know, I see folks, you know, all the time they got, they got, they got 15 folks. They have to talk about, we have worldwide ministry. Not yet, but we're going to be, I mean, you got to be realistic about that's nothing wrong with making proclamations of faith, but that means you're going to put together a team and go on your first missions trip. When that's what it means to me when I hear that, or, so you're going to start sponsoring a church over. What are you doing? How, how is that? How is that going to happen? But see, a lot of times people don't know how to follow because they don't understand what we're saying business wise or, you know, church wise. They don't get it because we're not making sense. Communication means people understand it. How do you know if people understand it? I mean, you have to have dialogue back and forth. It can't just be you talk. Well, I told them on a Sunday morning, you know, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know what happened, you know. Jesus. And he thinking of it every day. They're thinking of it morning, evening, morning, evening, talking it over with family, wife, kids, and staff, everybody, blah, blah, blah. And then they say it one time and everybody's supposed to have it. I mean, you got to pull it in, in bullets. You got to put it on magnets. You got to stick it on. <laughs> you got to put it everywhere. Oh, coffee mugs. You got to, that sounds silly to people because oh, I think all that's foolishness. I mean, you can put, you can put good things on that stuff and people will use it forever, you know, and remember you. You know, you can put a mug that says the name of your ministry and then says, remember, whenever you see this mug, remember, you need to get saved and stay saved. And then put a smiley face at the end. I'm just saying, little things like that sound stupid, but that's the kind of thing they'll buy 10 of them and hand them out to all. Anyway, I'm just talking because I just hate it that we're afraid. We tuck our tails, hide, and don't even want to use our language anymore. You know, anyway, the person who has a vision, I know, right? <laughs> has a job of making sure that everyone around him and downline understands what the heartbeat of that vision is. And, and, and it can't, you know, that it can't just be held inside of us. We've got to make sure people down the line, teach people to teach people that can teach people. And, and it doesn't mean just telling people because a lot of times when you go with people on their job, <laughs> you find out they don't even answer the phone right. Yeah. No, she ain't in. You know, what the heck? And you you, you got a Harvard degree. Well, honey, you missed something. I tell you, you missed a few classes. I know that. I don't know what you was up to in your sorority. But anyway, I'm just saying, I don't know if it was Jesus because you'd know that. And what about the fruit of the spirit? Anyway, I'm just saying there's, there's things that we got to get to know. That's our, but what is our vision down the line? Do we want, because it matters both the what we're going towards and how we go towards it just like in our walk with christ 
We have to be headed somewhere or we feel purposeless and don't want to get up in the morning. you got to make something up, make it up. Like, look at your dirty closet. I mean, start somewhere. I mean, I don't want to. I know you don't, but it looks like you. That's why it looks like that. That's what you feel inside. Well, I just can't do it. Well, then hire, spend 20 bucks and let somebody come over you. <laughs> Whatever you got to do. First, the vision has to be received in the heart. And then it's got to be prayed over. I mean, if people want to connect to a ministry or even when I start jobs, I always say, pray over your place in that business. Pray over it. You you may, you can't control everybody else. You're not going to change it, but pray over your, because your destiny matters. Your favor matters. Uh, you not getting taken advantage of or stolen from matters. So we got to pray. I mean, you know, we receive it in our heart, but then we got to cal- be calculated with the mind after we pray for these things and carry it out with our mouths and actions. And I love the end here. And I know I got on this for a little while here, but I just, I was thinking about vision so much. And I was thinking about the factors. And then uh, I love the way he ends this phrase. And it's very seldom talked about. Then he gets to verse four, and God tells us that proud folks aren't going to be able to hear this. They're not going to wait. They're not going to want to wait because they're too busy. They know better and blah, 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 you know, um, and, and they're not going to hear. And, it's, and people say, think sometimes when I say this, I'm saying don't get sound counsel. Of course not. But it should be birthed from your prayer closet. Not from somebody going, hey, I think you ought to do this. And you go, yeah, maybe I should because I don't have any other ideas. So you told me to do it. Yeah, I mean, like, what the heck? Go before the Lord and get, well, I don't feel nothing. Then serve somebody until your own vision rises up, you know, and learn things you don't need. No, that's that's what that means. I just, whenever I pray, I don't get nothing about it. That's because you ain't there yet then. He ain't showing you that. Because he'll show you. He will show you. He wants, he has plans and purposes for us. But that what that means is you got to lock in somewhere and you got to work. And if you work, I can't help it. I work from home all the time. You're making the choice not to lock in with other people, though. There's groups you can lock in. There's social groups. There's ministry networks. There's tennis clubs. There's all kinds of things you could, you could link into because that keeps you grounded. <laughs> keeps you grounded. The proud in heart won't be able to hear or endure it. Because that's another thing. He says, you got to wait. You got to be able to endure until. And you got to be able to search your own heart. Most most proud folks, they're not going to search their own heart. They're going to they're going they're going to hear a word from God about how you need to obey and change. <laughs> you know, but they're not going to hear the hear the parts that were about Okay, first, before you say that to the people and rebuke them like an angry person, let me show you yourself real quick. Now, think about the words you're going to use to the people. You still need to say it to the people, but now think about how you're going to say it. You're going to say it different. It's going to come from your gut instead of your you know, your chest, your anger, you know, blowing hot air. So, you know, you know, that's what I'm saying. So anyway, the, the, just, the just shall live by faith. Speak it by faith. Hold on to it by faith. Help help make sure it comes to pass. Make steps by faith. And 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 I love this about that that portion of scripture. But the the bottom line is, again, he's driving us back to vision. And then my 
my mind always comes to 2 Timothy 2.2, and I'm not going to read it since I'd spent so much time in the back. Um, but it, it, this is where, you know, the things that you heard, this is where that word heard, that was telling you, look at that word heard, and, and it means like the scribe, like you sit, and it's not just talking about you, just like, yeah, he said something about, what was that? No, it's talking about you were like, well, I got to I gotta get this. I got to get it. Okay, I, I don't have a pen. I got to buy it. I got to, how can I get a copy? Is it online? Where is it? What is it? What is it? You go back and listen and you write key things down and then you stop and pray over those things. That's how you build things into you. What happened to that? That's basic Christian life. I mean, that's, that's manna. That's how we find manna being dropped. <laughs> My Lord Jesus. <laughs> I feel him. <laughs> I know. I tried not to go to Jack. Anyway, among many, <laughs> I just felt it. Woo! <laughs> My Lord Jesus. Anyway, among many witnesses, around a bunch of other people, they told you the same thing. They told you what I taught. They told you what I wanted committed. They told you how I wanted leaders raised up. They told you how I wanted disciples raised. They told you about it. You've heard it. They say you're one of these. If you're one of them, then I need you to be faithful with it and then be able. That means equipped, matured. And it also means, I love it because this word able, let me click on it real quick. Um, the word able, hykonos, it also means to endure under supreme pressure without relenting the message. Able. We talk about Abel. I know you can teach, but when things are tight, you don't show up. Anyway, um, same now commit to faithful men who'll be able to teach others also. Just teach. And of course, in the Eastern world, as we all know, uh, um, they're speaking about both. Um, they're speaking about teaching verbally, to the students, and then activating what's going on. That's the method in which was always used. Um, after you finished, then you activated what you did. And that, you, did you want to say something, Dr. B? Was you leaning forward for that? I just, I, I can't tell. You just keep keep me going. No, 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 you keep going. Because, okay. you know, uh, no, the uh, internet thing was, was messing up for a moment, and I was just texting okay. to, uh, taking him. You know, you said something, and this is just really kind of neat. You're the only person that can do that. You know when you said, uh-huh, and you remember that song that was, <laughs> that most people, <laughs> you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, that's yeah, the way. that's the way. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, and that's that's what most people are, are dealing with rather than what it is that you're talking about, too. And Dr. Baker, and that's where we left off last week. How wise of you. And that was breaking the maintenance mold in the leadership. That's where we got to. That's where we left off, actually, last week. And you just triggered my memory on that. Hallelujah. But see, that's because we get to the stage we've got to begin to raise the leaders correctly. And there's a tendency for a lot of leadership sometimes or a lot of wannabe leaders. They're really in a maintenance mode in their life. And that's why they have difficulty fulfilling jobs. Some people get discouraged because they they feel like a manager sitting in their living room. Then they go get a job and they keep failing at it or not being able to fulfill it because what you're doing in your living room and thinking in your head is different than you actually trying to do it. That's why 
the Eastern way of training is so much better. You, you, you learn it. And then you don't sit around your living room and talk about it. You learn it and then you are, you do it. And then you're given, you're coached on how it's going. So you can make corrections and get it better and get it right. That's the process. And that's really what it means to be trained or discipled. So now, now we got a culture that doesn't want that. They don't even want that kind of method, but that's not the kingdom. But real people, I shouldn't say it that way. That's too broad, too broad of a statement. That's too broad of a statement. I can't do that. I can't be in walk with integrity and use a statement that broad. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I told you, got to check myself. <laughs> but who's checking you? Well, you checking others, you know. <laughs> so you better judge yourself. Anyway, but 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 the point is we we've got to have leaders that don't settle in their roles and that they lose their cutting edge of their strong leadership. And that's my point out of it, because that maintenance mentality gives way to maintenance mode and in the leadership. It's like, sometimes you say, well, how are your people doing on their devotions? You know, how's your leaders? Well, I don't know. I don't check on that. And you, you pretty much know that if they don't know the meter, of their primary leaders, their leaders are not checking on the state of their people. They're not encouraging the proper things, even in daily devotionals and stuff, because it should be coming on down the line from those leaders and they should be caring about it and moving it through. That's maintenance mode. That's a form of maintenance mode. You know, that they, you know, they're existing with a title, but they really don't care for the people of God. They don't even take 15 minutes a day to pray for the people that they're in their care, that they're over the leadership or the ministries or the prosperity of it or the protection of it. That's maintenance mode. That's maintenance mode. That's building somebody that thinks more highly of themselves than they're all. They're putting their trust in themselves and they're going to teach others their superior ways and they're going to pass down superiority methods and then wonder why people are always clashing with the church because the very, very people that are supposed are supposed to be are meeting with people and talking with people are propagating their own things and agendas and feelings and mindsets and and stuff and and there's not consistency among the group and what we're trying to do and how we're going to go about doing it. That's vision. That's vision being implemented in church and not just talking about it. And going, we had a wonderful vision class and we had a vision offering and oh, what a productive day! But nobody does nothing and nobody changes. What you say, Doc B? God, my God, this is so true. See, nobody changes, and this is what it is that we're dealing with right now in our yeah. soul. Even those that say that. That uh, they are, uh, even those that are say that they are kingdom people, there's yeah. not change. There's no, tra the transition is not, it gets stuck, stuck in the transition. And this is, this is, this yeah. is not, they talk, talk, it's not, not enough show and tell. Yeah, you know, the best way, no show. I keep telling the pastors, Dr. Baker, the first of the year, let have every one of your leaders pick one person to bring beside them, to teach them what they know. And, and they're like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean they're not? I'm like, it don't mean none of that. It just means that we're trying to get something that should already be in place, in place. And number two, it also makes sure that now they got to make sure these guys are doing devotionals. 
Now, they should have been doing it already, but most churches are in that position. And, and, and honestly, they're like, no, they're good people. And they're da, da, da. it's just when I get on this, they feel, okay, then have them train a new group and tell them these are the things we're going to train them. This is what, you know, yeah, and they'll all agree on it. And then by the fact that they'll start training them, they'll either weed themselves out because they won't, or they'll pick up those things and actually grow in them really quickly, which is most of the time, the good ones, that's what happens. They immediately, they just take off. They're like, yeah, I should have been doing this all along. And, you know, they start and they pray and they interact and they go out and they're teaching the person how to be fully fun. And now you've got a perfect person ready to be a deacon. And, and you know, and I'm just saying that's, and that's before I gave the responsibility to the deacons. I just say, talk about the elders. Because if they start doing it, and that's their, oh my God, that's a whole lot of pressure. Okay, but let's go back to why we're doing what we're doing and what we're doing it for. And then we're going to complain about people all the time. You know, and, and I'm not talking about this, you know, take 20 billion years. No, I'm not even talking about doing it every single day. And you ain't got to call me every day. You know, I'm not telling them, look, I want to hear from you till the day after tomorrow, unless you're in the hospital. Now, you have a good day. Go go talk to somebody else because you be talking to me enough, and I don't want to be the only one up your crawl every time I talk to you. So go enjoy and laugh and see some monkeys or do something. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, have a good time. Watch some sports or whatever. Do what you can. Play golf, right? Oh, we got to close, don't we, Dr. B? But let, let, me just say, let me say this, and I'll stop. We need to strengthen the pegs that are holding our tents so that we can expand them properly. In this year, and when the majority of leadership structure has a maintenance mentality mode, the, the momentum of the church slows down to almost nothing. I think we got to stir the nest by bringing new people in. Yes, we do. And one of the other things that I want you to get on, you mentioned something about pressure. What's wrong with pressure? Well, I can think of a bunch I mean, of we don't have time to get into that. I mean, we're going, you're going to have to, I want you to get into that on the next thing uh, 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 on our next program, because what is wrong with pressure without pressure, without pressure of any kind, without pressure. Uh, uh, you, I mean, you know, even in a relationship, in a marriage relationship, there needs to be some kind of pressure. I mean, emotionally. Sexually, every kind of thing has to have some kind of pressure, but people don't seem to like pressure in the church. So I want you to get into that. And I don't care. I mean, we're here still telling it like it is. We're trying to talk to babies. We're trying to talk to those that are leaders. And our time is up. And you need to join us next week when Apostle Barry Cook and I come back to still tell it like it is. This is Apostle Baker J. Baker, who is a doctor in psychology, and Apostle uh, Apostle Dr. Barry Cook, who's saying bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Kingdom First TV, your station for kingdom inspiration.